Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Has a certain sin got you in its grip and you can't seem to get away from it? Well, today let's go way back to the, about the year 1600 B.C. and let's see how Joseph got free and kept free from sin. Would you take out a Bible? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 39 and let's pray before we begin. <clears throat> Lord, we pray for anyone watching this program and there's, there's a sin in their life that they just can't seem to get victory over. Lord, we pray that you'd teach each of us how to be more victorious over sin and more living for the glory of God. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. First, let me set up the story. The year is about 1600 B.C. Jacob has 12 sons who would become the 12 tribes of Israel. At this point in the story, his youngest son is Joseph. His older brothers hate Joseph. They they, in jealousy, they throw Joseph to the bottom of a well. And then eventually Joseph gets sold off into slavery in Egypt. He travels to Egypt, where he becomes the chief servant of a high Egyptian official, Potiphar. So Joseph is doing pretty well. But then this happens. Genesis chapter 39, look at verse 6. So Potiphar, the official of the Pharaoh, left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of Joseph, Potiphar had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But Joseph refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of my master, he has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything in my, into my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you yourself, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Notice he doesn't say, and sin against Potiphar. Joseph says, sin against God. Here's the first lesson I want you to get from this story. Every sin is against God. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. He killed her husband Uriah. And then finally he felt guilt and wrote Psalm 51. And he confesses and he said, God, against you and you only have I sinned. Now, now did David sin against Uriah and Bathsheba? He did. But his ultimate sin was against God. If you've committed adultery on your spouse, you sinned against your spouse, but your ultimate sin was against God. If you've had premarital sex, you sinned against that person you had sex with, but your ultimate sin is against God. Look at verse 10. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, here's the next lesson. Sometimes God allows 
persistent temptation. She was after him day after day. I know a man that he's now with the Lord, but he had a very difficult drinking problem. And I think he was sober for about the last 25 years of his life. But he told me, Tom, I still have to go to my AA group every Friday night because I still get so tempted. If you saw this show some months ago, we did a program on my personal struggle with same-sex attraction. And I believe homosexual behavior is a sin, so I don't go there. But I can get tempted on that. So somebody saw the show, wrote me and said, Pastor Brock, you need to have demons cast out of you, and then you won't have that temptation anymore. <laughs> I wrote the person back. I went through deliverance ministry. Sometimes God allows persistent temptation. There's, an, there's a saying, the Christian's goal is not freedom from attack. The Christian's goal is victory over the attack. I think there are certain things you probably will be attacked on till the day you die. Well, our goal is not freedom from attack. That doesn't happen until heaven. Our goal is victory over the attack. Sometimes God allows persistent temptation. Look, now, now, but Joseph has victory. He's going to have the victory over the temptation. He does three things. Look at what he does. Uh, Genesis 39, verse 10. He would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. He did three things to get victory. The first thing he did is he put earplugs against this woman. He developed earplugs. I'm not listening to this. <laughs> There's a scene from Greek mythology where Odysseus wants to sail his men past the island of the sirens. The sirens were these naked ladies that sang beautiful songs so the sailors would turn the ship, go toward the sirens, crash by the reef, and drown. What Odysseus did, before he got within earshot of the island of the sirens, he stuffed wax in all of his men's ears so they just sailed on by. We need to develop earwax, and here's what I mean by that. On my iPhone and on my laptop, I have something called Covenant Eyes. You pay $11 a month, and it blocks all the pornography from your computer and from your iPhone. That is one way to, to put earplugs. If you have a porn problem, or a, any, it's a good thing to put that on your computer. Develop earplugs against sin. The second key to victory, look at verse 11, Genesis 39, 11. But one day, when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. Here's the next thing. He, he, he put in earwax. But the second thing, I think Joseph, he, he was aware of the trap. This woman was laying a trap for him. She gets all the other workers out of the house, probably puts on perfume and says, Hello, Joseph. And, and I think Joseph knew a trap was going on. Do you know that someone has set a trap for your soul? Listen to this from 1 Peter chapter three, chapter 5. 
Be sober, be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering is required of your brotherhood throughout the world. In other words, Satan is busy laying a trap for you. I mean, there's one sense in which he doesn't go after the people in the world. He already owns them. But if you're a Christian, following Christ, trusting in Christ, obeying Christ, it's like you've got a target on your chest. Satan is, is, is out to lay a trap for you. When Billy Graham was alive, he never drove in a car alone with a woman. He always had a third party there because he just wanted to protect himself. There's an old saying, if you want to be free, better to shun the bait than struggle on the hook. <laughs> Better to shun the bait than struggle on the hook. So Joseph realized a trap was going on. He put earplugs. And the third thing he did, this was the main one, to get victory is verse 12. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. The main thing he did to get victory, he learned to run. He learned to flee. Well, Pastor, when my girlfriend and I are alone in the house and my parents aren't there, we end up doing stuff we shouldn't. Well, then don't be alone in the house with your girlfriend. Or, Pastor, you know, there's a certain group of friends and I, and when we get together, we almost always end up getting drunk. Well, then stay away from that group of friends. You know, let me ask you, do you run from people and things that have caused you to sin in the past? That's smart. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.22, Timothy, flee youthful lusts. And it says this in Proverbs 22, a wise man sees danger and hides himself. The foolish go on and suffer for it. Way back in the horse and buggy days, there was a man who wanted to hire a coachman to, to drive his buggy. So he interviewed three different applicants and he asked them each the same question, how close can you drive to the edge of the cliff and not go over? The first applicant said, oh, I think I can get within a yard of the, of the cliff. Second applicant, oh, I think I could get within a foot. And the third applicant said, I would stay as far away from the edge of that cliff as possible. The third man got the job. <laughs> Somebody told me, I believe, of a, a man in their church that walked to work every day, but he went a full block out of his way to avoid having to go by a porn store. So if you want to be free from your sin, you've got to develop earplugs, get covenant eyes. You've got to realize that Satan is laying traps for you. And then thirdly, learn how to run. That's a good thing. Now, you could say, but what about those times when I'm not looking for temptation? It just comes upon me. It comes to me. What do I do then? Well, then you've got to claim 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to, to endure it. There's always a way of escape. If you're in AA and you're getting weak, you call your... Um, your sponsor at AA. I've got a prayer partner, an, an older Christian man whom I love, and he is just great. If I need to talk, I can call him or meet with him for lunch or something. But uh, there's always an escape. Satan will tell you, no, no, you've got to do this. This is who you are. That's a lie. There's always an escape, but you're probably going to need some good accountability. 
Look at verse 13. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought among us this Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until the husband came home, the master. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Here's the next lesson. Don't be surprised when the world lies. This lady is just lying. I'll tell you what it reminded me of. Now we're going back in time quite a bit. but Back in 1991... Magic Johnson, the basketball player, got HIV. And on the front cover of People magazine is his picture with the caption, At last, a hero we can look up to. Why? Because he decided to let this crisis in his life be the impetus for him to preach safe sex using condoms. And back then, Daniel Quayle, was the vice president. And he said, I don't talk about safe sex through condoms. Condoms break, by the way. He said, I talk about abstinence before marriage. And Quayle was mocked. Way back then, John Piper, author and pastor here in, in, in Minneapolis, wrote this. I want you to hear this. Let there be tears. Not only because another man created for the glory of God is infected with HIV, and not only because basketball is losing a great player, and not only because his young wife's life now is at risk, but also because no one is telling kids the truth. The main lesson should be that sin is bad for you and hurts people around you. God said flee fornication. The immoral man sins against his own body. Magic Johnson has HIV because he sinned against God and his own body. The message for kids across our country should be sin is a very high price tag. It isn't worth it. But Magic Johnson and the media refused to tell kids the truth and that they need to hear. And Magic Johnson admitted he'd have sex with tons of people. And instead, he is giving bad advice. Johnson said, I'm going to be a spokesman for this HIV virus because I want the kids to understand safe sex is the way to go. And then Piper says, safe sex is politically correct speech for fornication and adultery using a condom. The truth is, safe sex is not the way to go. The truth is, married sex is the way to go. God's way is the way to go. You are not dogs in heat. You are persons created in the image of God. Choose chastity and love life. My point in bringing all that up is People Magazine, the media, don't be surprised, the, 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 the Potiphar's wife, don't be surprised when the secular world just lies about you. Next, look at verse 19. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Here's the next lesson. Joseph's radical obedience brought maltreatment. Joseph did what was right, 
But Joseph's obedience brought maltreatment. This is part of the Christian package, folks. It says in uh, 2 Timothy 3, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7 says, In my vain life I've seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who proclaims, who prolongs his life in his evil doings. In other words, sometimes you obey God and you get blessed. Sometimes you obey God and you get dumped on. Suffering is part of the Christian life. And I would ask you, I know a young woman, she's a Christian nurse, and she's on a, a floor in the hospital where she's being required to give hormone blockers to transgender patients to, to block them and keep them from being who God created them to be, and it's, it's killing her conscience, and she may lose her job over this. But if you are suffering for righteousness sake, let, let's learn the next lesson. You need to know three things if you're suffering for righteousness' sake. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. If you are suffering for Christ, you need to know three things. Number one, the Lord is with you. Especially if you're suffering for righteousness' sake, the Lord is with you. Here's what 1 Peter 4 says. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests on you. I mean, let's say you've got a rough marriage, but you're hanging in the marriage because you want to be obedient to God. The blessing of God is on your life. Let's say you're in a rough job. Maybe people make fun of you because of your faith or whatever, but you're hanging in there because you know you're supposed to be there. Your blessing, the blessing of God, rests upon you. Verse 22. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, Joseph was the one who did it. So if you're suffering for Christ's sake, number one, know that he's with you. But number two, know this, God is still in control. It's called sovereignty. Even, even though Joseph's in prison, God's controlling things, so Joseph's doing pretty well. <laughs> um, in the end of his life, Joseph will look back of being put in jail and say, you know, it was good I was put in jail because then they made me the number two man in jail and then the Pharaoh found out about me and I became the number two man in, in Egypt and I kept my family alive during the famine because I was so high up in, in, in Egypt. I mean, so he looked back and, and saw the hand of God even when he was suffering. So if you're suffering today, God is with you. The blessing of God rests on you. Number two, God is still in control. And then look at verse 23, the last verse. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it succeed. Here's the third thing you need to know. God's with you. And the second thing to know is that he's still in control. And the third thing, God still prospers the obedient. Even if you suffer, like being thrown in prison, he's still going to somehow bless you because you're obedient in some way. I don't know how, but God always blesses obedience. Many years ago, Prussia was at war with France. The French commander turned to the gunner and said, do you see that bridge over there? Do you see the house next to it? Full of Prussians. 
turn your cannon there and blow it up. The gunner turned, aimed the cannon, blew up the house. The commander noticed a tear was coming down the cheek of the gunner, and he said, what's wrong? And he said, sir, that was my house, everything I own in the world. <laughs> and if you're suffering today for Christ, know that his blessing is upon you. He's still in control of whatever's going on. And third thing to know, he still will somehow bless the people that obey him. All right, let's review all this. What have we learned from getting free from sin? Well, we learned that every sin ultimately is against God. Sometimes God allows persistent temptation. You might have a struggle in a certain temptation the rest of your life. Now, not necessarily. Some people get over things, but some people have to... Temptation is not a sin. Giving into it is a sin. Another thing we learned, Joseph had freedom because he developed earwax. He plugged his ears towards sin. Number two, he knew there was a trap being set. And number three, the big one, he learned how to run. And don't be surprised when this world lies. And obedience to God brings suffering sometimes. But then when you suffer, know the Lord is with you. The Lord is still sovereign and in control. And then the, know that the Lord still always blesses the obedient. That is what we learn from Joseph getting free and staying free from sin. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to talk to us and give us his ideas on things that have happened in that and what we as a church and what we as people can do and so anyhow we have a bunch of questions mm -hmm. for you Tom because yep. we figure if anybody can answer them, well, it would be you. I don't know about that but we'll give her a try. Where presently are people suffering for God? Yeah we talked about Joseph suffering because of his faith right and um, I get a magazine every month it's free it's called Persecution. If you don't have this, it's free. You get it once a month. Persecution.org. Go to that website. Say, I'd like your Persecution magazine every month. It'll tell you the horror stories of what's going on in places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, India. And those are some of the places that are really persecuting Christians. You've either got radical Muslims who are beheading people in some places. And you've got in India some radical Hindus that just hate Christianity. So it's still going on. Yeah. So there, there are people suffering all over Indeed the world. Indeed they are. Okay. So do you have any comforting verses for someone to share with those people right. who are... If you're, you know, if you're suffering, uh, like we were talking about in the sermon, Joseph had to go to jail for doing the mm -hmm. right thing, not the wrong thing. Here are some verses I like for, the, for me when I'm suffering. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your cares upon the That's Lord, for he cares for you. So what I do when I'm suffering, I just get on my knees and I just talk to God about it. Another thing I like to do when I'm suffering, and old Pastor Maynard Forrest is the one who talked about this, you take out the book of Psalms oh, yeah. and you read a psalm out loud because of the lo a lot of the psalms are people suffering and getting their lament out. And so I like to, just sometimes when I'm feeling down, read a psalm out loud. I think Psalm 23 was taught to every kid I, at some point uh, in their I life. I can still do it from yeah. Sunday school. Yeah. So Psalm 23 is a great place to start. You know, another thing I like to do, um, 
I like to claim Romans 8.28 over everything. God causes all things to work together for my good. So I say, okay, God, I don't like this thing that happened, but I'm going to claim Romans 8.28. You promised somehow to work this out for my good. So there are some good verses. Okay. If your boss requires you to lie in order to keep, to, to make a sale, should that person quit that job? Well, I'm thinking, too, of this nurse. They're requiring her to give hormone blockers to transgender patients to Ooh. keep them from being, uh, you know. So I think I'd have to quit, Jackie. If my boss required me to lie to make a sale, I think I'd have to quit. Yeah. Tom, how did the story of Joseph end? Yep. If you read Joseph, uh, Genesis chapter 50, Joseph is thrown into the pit by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt, and then at the end of the story, Joseph is the number two man ruling all over Egypt so his family can get fed during the famine times. And Joseph's, the, the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 or is it 40, where he says, you meant it for evil, brothers, God meant it for good. And so Joseph could look back on the child abuse he suffered at the hands of his brothers and say, yeah, you meant it for evil, but somehow God has meant it for good to keep our family alive. So Genesis 50:20, I think it is, is the Romans 8:28 of the Old Testament. Does the Bible teach that the godly will prosper and the wicked will suffer? Well, yeah, so what do you, here's, uh, the Bible teaches two things. Generally, as a rule, those who follow God are blessed, and those who deny God suffer. So that's a general rule, Jackie. But then you've got the book of Job as the exception. And Job is a righteous person who suffers. So, so yes, generally, the righteous are blessed, the uh, evil suffer. But there are exceptions when the righteous also suffer. Tom, who wrote the book of Genesis? We believe, I mean, the early tradition is that Genesis was written by Moses. Moses lived about, what, 1400 B.C. So Genesis was written probably by Moses. That doesn't mean there couldn't be later editing. Tom, but, we only yeah. have one sure. minute left. But sure. So is there any advice for someone who struggles with this sexual temptation like Joseph? Yeah. I think accountability is the key. Uh, get a Christian prayer partner. Get a Christian uh, uh, little group that you're part of. But make sure you're not trying to beat sin on your own. We need our brothers and sisters. And then can I just say thank you to the man that sent me this <laughs> compact disc yeah. with songs on the it? songs that he wrote. Crazy the Lord by Phil Gorham. And yeah. it's his favorites, and he wrote Love, Phil Gorham. Yeah, and everybody, you know, we've got we've got a lot more viewers than we used to have now, and they've been uh, we get we get nasty mail, but hardly any. Overwhelmingly, we want to thank you because people are so appreciative of the show. They love our show, and so just pray about supporting us if God plans that. But pray for us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by The Pastor Study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.